Okay, here we are. Okay, um, let's skip the prayers I prayed in advance this time because it's the last meeting and um, I wanted to make sure that I wouldn't go over time. Or let's say I prayed before because since I always go over time, I wanted to give this meeting the most time since it's the last one. Also, I had to pray particularly hard because um, I didn't prepare. <laughs> I've been marathoning for this um, um, outfit for Balaram um, Purnima, uh, and now I'm doing Jamashtami and Nandotsava. So that's all I'm doing. That's, uh, we're going to talk about meditation these, uh, today. And that's uh, when I'm not sleeping and, and doing uh, that's all I'm doing, jewelry and stuff. So I didn't prepare today's lesson. And so whatever comes out today is really going to be um, a, um, a testament to the uh, efficacy of uh, prayer. I sure hope so. Okay, um, I don't have a presentation uh, on account of that. And uh, it'll just be me speaking, but at least I get to see your faces or at least your names. Um, so, so far we've talked about prayer. We discussed prayer as uh, in all its aspects, in, the, uh, in its aspect of um, a request or a, um, you know, a petition or to praise the Lord. So the please type of prayer, the thank you type of prayer. And, um, and then just the offering of obeisances, etc. Um, however, so uh, some of you came with the description of prayer that is uh, a, a dialogue with, uh, with God. So it's been described as a dialogue in a couple of times, by a couple of you, um, maybe the second, first or second time when I asked you what you thought prayer was. Um, what it boils down to is that, um, yes, the, the dialogue aspect. It's organized thought. Um, humans kind of distinguish themselves from animals because of a speech. They all use uh, language, they use body language, they use cry, animals I'm saying. No, not humans, animals, use body language. They use se several cries and they use smell. But humans use speech. So I also said the humans are the linking point between animality, not humans, let's say the human form, the, the human body and everything that comes with the human package corresponds to a level of consciousness which we call you know the human experience which is the closer the closest to divinity or right between divinity and uh, animality because you know keep in mind the demigods are also humans so but the human humans so us are right in between uh, the animal nature and the divine nature and were characterized by speech so the best engagement of speech is prayer. So when we pray to God, when we speak with God, we have a dialogue with God. Uh, Krishna himself in the Bhagavad Gita says that he is uh, Japa, of course, in a different context. He says that among uh, sacrifices, I am Japa. But bottom line, Japa is um, probably the purest form of prayer in a way because you don't ask anything, you just um, kind of uh, tune into the God's frequency, as I was saying. You don't think, you just repeat his name, and yet so much goes on. There is a dialogue. So that is the purest form of, ex um, of a prayer, you could say. And Krishna says, I am that. And then, so I said, prayer is the perfection of a speech, the best use of speech that you could do. And if you're not praying, you might as well be silent. <laughs> so the second best thing is uh, silence, which Krishna also says, I am silence. 
again in another context it says uh, of secrets i am silence meaning that you know if you shut up nobody will ever know that secret it's the best uh, the best secret is to the one that is not said to anyone because uh, we always know that it's a secret don't tell anyone meanwhile two or three people know it uh, plus i mean i'm telling a community of devotees you know that there is a uh, a joke that the fastest form of communication is not the telephone, it's not the television, it's the tele-devotee. It's say a devotee, whatever it is, the whole community, the whole world knows it. Even before the internet, it was mystical. Tele-devotee is infallible. So anyway, secret. Uh, I mean, silence is the best kept secret. And, it's, and Krishna is represented in silence. So the best engagement of speech is prayer. And short of that, better you just stay silent. Of course, it's a joke, but um, no, I mean, it's true, but we just cannot stay silent. We're not moonies, and uh, we cannot be praying all the time. Um, but just to see what the ideal should be, prayer. However, um, I heard um, um, a Hindu guru saying that prayer is organized thoughts, organized words. And words have meaning. And meaning is filtered through psychology. You know, I may say Rama. Rama means, um, you know, joy, satisfaction, or the source of joy and satisfaction. In Sanskrit, in uh, Spanish, it means branch. I remember being in Madrid. I had just moved to Madrid and um, my friend was hosting me, and she was um, in. Uh, she has a an apartment in Plaza del Sol, which is like the kilometer zero of Spain. It's like the center of the center. And sure enough, as soon as I put down the suitcases, it was a Saturday, so a Harinam party came by. So I just left. I told my friend, "I gotta go," <laughs> and I went, um, and I joined the Sankirtan party, but. Um, I remember it was my first Harinam in a Spanish-speaking country, and I re realized how weird it was to hear Hare Rama, Hare Rama, to hear and to say. And all these people in Madrid who didn't know the devotees, they were so puzzled because Hare Rama in, in Spanish means I will make a branch. I'll make branch, I'll make branch, 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 I'll make, I'll make. So they were like, what is this? What is it with these people making branches and being so happy about it? Anyway, the point remains that words have a meaning. And of course, meaning is attributed by consciousness, right? As Gurmach is saying, meaning gives, uh, consciousness gives meaning to matter. Otherwise, they're just empty and insignificant. And words are the same. They, yes, they are made of sound vibrations and in many languages, um, you know, a word evokes a certain reaction in, in, in somebody, but it's filtered through psychology. Like I said, um, well, so many things, like, you know, something can be a swear word in a language and not in another one, and be a proper word in another one. You know, between Italian and Spanish, there are a lot of words that sound like a little weird. What is perfect Spanish is rude Italian or ignorant, uneducated Italian, and the other way around. So, because we're talking about meditation and, and mantra uh, today, mantra is different. A mantra is a sound expression, a sound representation of reality. Uh, we talked about, um, again, I'm going to talk about holograms again, because they just help me, and I like them. We talked about how reality is just a constant vibrating of atoms. And, you know, there are smaller parts of, uh, of the atom, but let's just say atoms or just electrons. And they flicker in and out of existence. They just, they exist, they don't exist. They, like, you know, those lights, uh, so many expressions, little lights that blink and they look like something is happening, but they're just going on and off, on and off. So this is like the code, the binary code of material nature, the 0101. It feels so solid. I got nothing hard. I got my head. 
so solid, and yet it's just atoms. There's so much empty room, empty space between the electrons, between the nucleus of an atom and the electron. So this is like um, a virtual room, a uh, holodeck again, uh, making a reference to Star Trek. Um, what did I say all that? So, vibration, since I said 0101, if you think about it, 0101, they makes a, a, it makes a rhythm, 010101, and that is like a frequency. So everything vibrates. It's just a constant switching, positive, negative, masculine, feminine, the whole duality I've been talking about in these last three encounters. And it's a constant chasing up to one another. The masculine is not better than the feminine. The positive is not better than the negative. The good is not better than the bad. They have the same balance and they just chase one another, trying to get this equilibrium that will never be achieved, reached in the material nature by its own nature. So, um, vibration or frequency means uh, or let's say frequency means vibration and vibration an aspect of vibration is sound when we think of vibration we think of sounds we think of um, a guitar string being pulled and then as it vibrates it makes a sound that we can perceive of course so many things vibrate and uh, we may not perceive or not with our with our ears uh, you know, in, in uh, New Agey terms, we talk about good vibes, like this place had good vibrations, or in English, in American slang, we say, he was vibing me, like, <laughs> he was sending weird vibrations towards me, vibrations of anger, um, envy, whatever, vibing me. So vibrations are not only sound, but for the most part, we perceive them as sound. Uh, when we smell, nothing vibrates in our nose. When we see, nothing vibrates. Of course, it's a, an electromagnetic frequency that reaches our eyes, but we don't perceive it as a vibration. But when we hear, the eardrum is actually vibrating. So that's why we talk about sound. But everything, the, the substratum of this whole material uh, manifestation is based on frequency on vibrating atoms um, and frequency is a very important word remember that I said that when we pray we're tuning into God's frequency and the best prayer that I can think of is please God let me see the world through your eyes so you want to tune on you know go, uh, go loca radio and and you see and you hear things like the inhabitants of Goloka, like Krishna, hear and see and perceive them. Otherwise, it's just interference. It's just white noise, and it sounds like it, but it's not, which is what this world is, is, is defined as a, uh, a distortion. So, um, vibration and frequency, you can see how, I forget what it's called, I think it's called cymatic, there's plenty of videos on uh, YouTube that you can find. I'm sure you've seen them. Somebody putting salt on a membrane or a metal plate, a metal surface with a loudspeaker uh, underneath. And then this loudspeaker vibrates at different frequencies, et cetera, et cetera. And as the frequency changes, the salt will take different um, uh, geometrical shapes. And sometimes they start rotating and making worlds like galaxies, etc. I was really stricken by this video showing how galaxies, or it makes like a worm, etc. So it really shows how material forms are the product of atoms vibrating at a certain frequency, and that's all there is to it. And that's why, you know, sound is the first... Um, well, not physical, yeah, physical element in, in matter. There is the ego, then the intellect, then the mind, and then, I forget what comes first, sound or hearing. But anyway, that 
is the very first thing. The Bible itself says, in the beginning there was the Word or Logos. Um, so it, it, it's, this, the concept is the same. It all starts from sound, uh, from vibration, from a certain frequency. So, um, it stands to reason that through sound, and this, this is like, you know, basic Sunday feast preaching type of uh, talk, but it's worth, you know, uh, considering and, and, and talking about. It stands to reason that through sound, we can uh, find our way, our compass, through this material world and out of this material world. So like I said, the best engagement of speech is prayer, but there are these like pure sounds, like, uh, you know, in Sanskrit you have bija mantras, uh, gang, lang, etc., etc., uh, like the pure syllables, the notes, the saptaswara, the, the, the seven notes, are sacred, are pure in and of themselves, and the syllables are pure, um, they're just pure sounds, so when we utter these sounds, even just om, om is the, the omkar, is the, um, which again Krishna says, I am the omkar, is the, would say, quintessential vibration, it really feels like a vibration, and it contains all the sounds in it. So, prayer is the best use of speech, but then mantra yoga is um, better in a sense, because we saw prayer can have so many qualities, so many uh, expressions. But if you sit down and repeat a mantra, it's, um, it's, it's higher in so many ways, because... You know, you could pray in public, make a show, like, you know, no offense to televangelists, but you see the craziest things, like, and Lord, please, blah, blah, blah. They do all those things on TV, and, and they, they, they say, they save, they heal people in the name of Jesus. And so prayer can be made a show of, or um, so many things, even in devotional life, even even sticking to our devotional context and other expressions of bhakti, you can dress the deities so well and everybody's like, oh, they look so well. You can sing so well and your ego, your... Yeah, you can be invested in your service and think, yeah, and I did that. Your kirtan, your cooking, your dressing, your classes, your whatever you do, it's uh, you can kind of take some pleasure in it, but when you chant japa, you may make a show of how many rounds you chant, but you know, people may or may not know it, you may or may not say it, but japa is really just you and the holy names, so you and Krishna. You can't show off, you can't, nobody says, Wow, you chant japa so well, it's uh, it's just pure absorption, nothing to be proud of. I'm just repeating the names of the Lord. And another aspect is that in prayer, as we you know, analyzed in the previous encounters, there's a lot of I, I am asking God, please God do this to me, or thank you God for how great you are, I am thanking you, or thank you for what you did to me. But when you repeat a mantra, uh, of course meditation you know, it's not just Maha Mantra, of course, I'm contextualizing it because that's what we're mostly uh, involved with. So, I don't know if I want to talk about meditation in the most generic terms or stick to a Maha Mantra related um, context. Because, you know, many people meditate, a lot of uh, celebrities now meditate and they talk about the advantage of meditation, how it really makes them feel like they live two days in one and they organize their thoughts and like we said even just about prayer by praying if nothing else you realize what is it you want who you are what you want how to get it or at least you get it you you ask for the goal you kind of like at least get a mm, trajectory i am what i think i am 
I want what I think I want. And uh, so, yeah, that's the goal. So meditation, it just separates things. It just gives order. Once um, I gave an analogy to go to Sundar that he liked a lot. I did uh, Japanese uh, pottery at some point in my life, but any pottery, when you knead the clay, you know, the, cl the particles of clay are flat. They're like shingles. They're like... Um, <laughs> like acrylic nails. You know, a lot of women have acrylic nails and they just stick them on top of their nails. They're like this. They're like flat and rectangular, very thin. So... When you knead the clay, I think it's called wedging the clay, you knead it in a circular way over and over and over so there is repetition and rhythm. And the clay particles align themselves. They become, they're flat so that they all take the same alignment, kind of like when you boil spaghetti in the water, they make a thoroid because the boiling water is in the center where the fire is and the spaghetti becomes soft and they just start rolling in the same direction. Same's with clay, same's with, um, uh, you know, metal f shavings. If you put them around a magnet, they make a pattern. So, when you... So anyway, the point of kneading clay is that it makes it easier to use. When the particles of clay are all in different orientations, the clay breaks apart. You cannot make a vase. You cannot use it, make something good out of it. But when you wedge and knead the clay consistently over and over and over, you give it a pattern and a rhythm, then all the clay particles get aligned the same way and the clay responds a lot better. You can uh, do stuff with it. We can do beautiful pottery. Excuse me. So, when you chant the Maha Mantra, it's pretty much the same. Or another example is laser light. We all have the experience of uh, white light. Unless there are some blind people among us, but uh, let's pretend, let's pretend, let's assume that for the most part, we, we all have the experience of uh, white light. It's beautiful. It, um, it has so many good qualities and, and, you know, we can appreciate white light for so many reasons, but if you take those photons and you align them, you reflect them back and forth and back and forth until they become organized, organized, that's called laser. And you can do so much more with a laser. You can point it, well, you can point white light too, but I'm saying with the laser, you could do surgery. You could chop somebody's head off. Um, you could do so much. So. In meditation, we just quiet the mind, the, the chatter in the mind. Myself, I'm one of those people that I constantly have a dialogue in my mind, constantly talking about something. And I realized literally, uh, literally, recently, that not everybody's like that. Some people just, I don't even know how they go about life. They just... I don't know, they just have silence in their head. I cannot even conceive it. I have a constant dialogue and a song. I have a soundtrack in the back of my mind every single moment, maybe not when I'm sleeping. So when you meditate, first of all, we all know that it's not a matter of uh, emptying your mind, make void in your mind. I guess in Buddhism, they do teach that, uh, and I don't know how they explain it and how they um, experience it. But from a Hindu, from a Vedic point of view, you cannot empty your mind. You, your mind has to focus on something. There has to be a, an object your mind rests on, uh, because consciousness is like this. So when a, a jiva, so when a unit of consciousness is incarnated as a jiva soul, it's covered in this subtle body and then, so the mind so, so just like consciousness has to have an object of its uh, contemplation of its uh, meditation if you if you will so does the mind through which consciousness expresses itself in the material environment even more than through the body ultimately through the physical body too but you can be perfectly still and still you know experience 
in uh, you know still have experiences as a consciousness unit which is what meditation is it's just you and your subtle body which is why yoga is done so that your body is uh, you know comfortable stretched and pulled and balanced so you can sit immobile so that not even the electrical uh, impulses from the muscles will create interference in your in your brain waves so to speak um, so meditation is making order of all those thoughts in your mind and focusing on one we cannot focus on the emptiness we cannot not focus like i said it's just impossible for consciousness to not have an object to to to, to contemplate but we can contemplate one object and only one so that's what meditation is or what the effort of meditation is which kind of uh, ties back to uh, regularity prayer can be regular you can do your prayers every day and meditation can be done in a regular fashion every day however prayer we were talking about my friend who said i pray when i need or i i I, I go to church when I need it, something like that. But you cannot meditate when you need. I mean, yes, if you need to really uh, focus on a matter. Some people even do lucid dreaming. I wish I could lucid dream, but uh, it's hard. Uh, I'll go back to it at some point. It's really cool stuff. But um, some people, you know, resolve their problems while dreaming in a lucid way. Some people just sit down and meditate and it's not like they reason really hard they actually stop reasoning they just listen they become receptive like i was saying last time become receptive become feminine and then the masculine will take over you know krishna says uh, what does it say what does he say something like um, oh i can't remember the word or the text but he says basically krishna is the uh, creative principle um bija I, I can't remember if the word bija is used or linga but uh, krishna is that so creativity all these artists creative people there's some divinity expressed in creativity whether it's a poem or a painting and you know that comes from the divine realm where everything is new and uh, in in continuous expansion nava yovana because here everything is trite in the material world everything is just used and reused and reused that's what nature is best at an animal dies it becomes food for another animal uh, or plant the plant dies and it feeds the soil that feeds a tree that feeds a bird etc etc it's always the same ingredients like you know some people make uh, miniature uh, ecosystems in huge glass um, bubbles they put a little bit of dirt and then some musk and um, yeah yeah it must be that i remember thinking reading krishna's words and thinking oh that means creativity not just but yeah anyway krishna is that creativity you know, God is connected to creation, typically, but also to creativity. So, I was saying, some people make miniature ecosystems in these huge glass bowls. Put a little bit of soil, a little bit of musk, and some, some plants. And then they put a plug on top. And then with the light, the plants evaporate, and they create little clouds, little condensation. And so it waters the soil and it creates more food for the plant some parts of the plant decompose and they go to feed the roots and etc etc it's like a constant uh, closed circuit that's what this world is that's why creativity is divine because um, you know the spiritual world is uh, nava yovana like krishna krishna doesn't know his own limits he's constantly wowed by himself like we saw uh, in you know in the bhagavatam krishna saw his reflection in the shiny floor and he was like whoa what is this? this is so beautiful 
because um, that's the nature of the absolute, of the infinite. There is just uh, no limit. So when some of, when a crumb of that, when a spark of that comes in this realm through us, who are you know of the same divine nature, that's creativity. Why did I talk about all that? Beats me. I need to remember that. Uh, so, meditation, collect your thoughts. So yeah, celebrities. They just focus and uh, they solve, uh, or people just solve a problem, problem and stuff. But the best way to meditate is by assiduously do it regularly every day or twice a day, just time and again and again. It's like uh, scrubbing a, a stain. If a stain is very old, you just don't go once. You have to go many times and repetition uh, has an effect that the lack of repetition doesn't doesn't give um, and also you could see it in, in, in terms of what I said before at the beginning frequency rhythm the the same act of meditating twice a day once a day kind of uh, is a way of tuning into this uh, rhythm and regularity and frequency that I said is at the base of uh, the material world so um, What's it talking about? So, prayer, meditation, mantra. We're talking about mantras being... So, yes, when you meditate, it's not you asking God, thanking God. It's just on, on your end, organizing your thoughts, making order through your thoughts, just focusing your mind on one thing which of course comes easier and easier if you do do it every day. But it's also like, I mean, half of you come from um, South America or tropical countries, but you may know that in places where you have snow and, and where you ski, you have this, um, eh, what is it called? Ski lift or ski something or other, where you just, um, you know, it comes with like, a stick with a seat that you put between your legs and it just takes you up the mountain. So when you chant the Maha Mantra or let's just say any mantra, you just tap into this spiritual stream and you just get carried. Or it's like plugging, right? You know, plugging something into the wall. There's electricity, electricity in the wall, and then by plugging something into the you know the the circuit, the all the wiring then that energy comes through the wire and you can uh, blend something. So when you tap into the current of the Maha Mantra, you just get buzzed. <laughs> you can't think anymore. It's, um, that's where the dialogue happens in terms of meditation. The dialogue in prayer is, um, again, very much filter through psychology and emotions whereas if you make the effort of just uh, repeating a mantra then things happen it is alive nevertheless it's not that uh, it's not a, a mechanical thing you I don't know what your experience is but usually after the fourth round you think especially you know if you're in a hurry you're like I'm just going to chant four rounds and then I'll put down the beads and then you can't because it's like, kind of feels good. It's like, mm. <laughs> um, so there is something besides your will, beside your reality that takes over and you really feel like it's a dialogue, even more than in prayer. Although you can feel things, you can feel reciprocation in your heart too, in prayer too. Um, I, okay, I have a little story. Once at Audaria, when Audaria was just um, a camping ground, it was a fire pit. We had a, a tent that was the kitchen. And then Guru Maharaj was in a tent. I was in a tent. Chittahari was in a tent. And then there was this devotee from Portland. Uh, Josh became later Jayagopal. And I wonder if he's still around. So he was asking questions. After sunset, there was nothing we could do. We had no electricity. So we would just... Uh, make a fire and have uh, baked potatoes and corn on the cob so good 
I'm not much of a camper. Italians don't camp much, and not in the way Americans love to camp. If Italians camp, they go to a camping ground where everything is pre-made. But Americans like it more, you know, outdoorsy. You put your baked potato in the fire, etc. Marshmallows and all that. So I have fond memories of that. We would um, wrap potatoes in tin foil, and they would cook like that in the fire, and then corn on the cob, then we would just put butter on top, etc. So in these evenings, we would just talk about Krishna Katha, because Guru Maharaj was there. Guru Maharaj Vrindaranya Chittahari and this Josh. And he asked a question. I can't remember about the effects of the Mahamantra or something or other. So he asked Guru Maharaj. And Guru Maharaj um, had us answer. So at first, Chittahari and Brindaranya were just uh, answering from the book just what happens after you chant, etc., or something like that. I don't remember their answers. I remember Gurmar saying, oh, come on, you've been practicing, you've been chanting for 20 years or so. Was it? Let me think. Vrindaranya joined in 91, 92. Now, okay, let's say 10 years. I joined in 96, 5 to 10 years. He said, you must have had some experience by now. I want to hear your experience. So we thought for a second. And Vrindaranya said, sometimes when you chant, you feel like you need a million ears and a million mouths, because it's not enough. Chittahari said, oh, sometimes you feel like you could be doing this forever. And I said, sometimes when you chant, the taste is such that you cannot tolerate the split second of a silence between one name and the other and you just chant faster and faster and that silence is always there intolerable silence Gurmaj was so happy to see our experiences and you know our you know real life experience not just the the, the book uh, knowledge the theory knowledge so yes there's a lot of reciprocation in meditation and in prayer that's a point worth bringing up in general there is a person on the other side. So, let me take a break. And um, after this introduction, that was all over the place, because like I said, I couldn't prepare for this week. Incidentally, I need to go to the bathroom. But remember that we talked about the instance of two nations praying for victory, praying the same God for victory, but only one wins. I'll be gone for 30 seconds. If you want to write your thoughts about it, if you have given it any thought, we'll be discussing that because we can tie it to the rest of the discussion and, um, and just finish a topic I talked about in the previous encounter. So I'll be right back. There. Am I the only one who went to the bathroom during the lesson? Sorry, but, you know. Let's see. Uh, I don't see any... I don't know if somebody's writing um, uh, an answer or, I mean, if I should wait or not. But I'll just start speaking. So, the scenario is this. Um, and, I, and I thought about it when I was watching a movie about um, Queen Elizabeth and Philip... 
something, Philip I, or... So anyway, England and Spain were, uh, were at war. Um, you know, that's how the pirates came about. They were intercepting all the ships coming from Latin America with all... Latin America, South America with all the gold and, and all that. And uh, there was a lot of interest. So anyway, England and Spain were at war. And they were Christian. One was Catholic, one was Protestant. So um, this king, Philip the something, Philip I, was um, uh, a very fervent Catholic. I mean, Spain in the 1500 was like... <sighs> so he had like his castle, I saw it in Toledo. There was like an altar in every room, just like nice from our point of view. But he had this like very staunch, strict Catholic view. So therefore he wanted to win over the Protestant and, you know, wrong uh, Queen Elizabeth. Bottom line, so they even had um, altars on their ships, etc. I don't know that the English had altars on their ships. Bottom line, they were two Christian countries praying God for victory, but only one of them won. And I saw a meme uh, from, I don't know, an atheist commenting on that, you know, people pray to God, uh, but uh, so how does it work? Only one nation win, wins. And, you know, atheists are notorious for talking about what they don't know and, and, and you know, they'd be better off not speaking. But religious people also have, um, you know, you could say superstitious or sometimes very basic concept of God. Being a religious people, person doesn't make you a religionist. Um, it's, um, you know, there are theologians for that. Not everybody has the kind of mental or intellectual capacity to understand and study all these uh, topics. So a lot of religious people can be quite basic in their understanding and think, like the atheists think, that God is like, uh, you know, a soft drink machine. You put the coin and you get your Coca-Cola. You know, I prayed and now I'm going to get my result. Yeah, maybe. Maybe the demigods are like that, you know. The demigods are also bound by the, um, the laws of nature. Cause and effect. Action and reaction. So, as much as they are divine in our eyes or compared to our, mm, you know, what we can do, the demigods, if you pray to the demigods, it's, they're more bound to fulfill your prayers. Kind of like when Kunti prayed to the sun god to try out the mantra that uh, Durvasa gave her, and then the sun appeared, and she was like, oh, it works. And he's like, yeah, and uh, you prayed to me for a son, so i got to give you a son now, but I'm a virgin. I'm a... All right, well, you'll, you'll be pregnant in your ear, and karna, karna means ear, will come out of your ear, and your virtue will be intact, so uh, when you get married, um, you know, your honor will be intact. So the demigods are bound by the prayer. God is not. Um, sorry, I read a question and I got distracted. Um, God is not bound by the prayer. You know, the, the very concept of God as the supreme controller, the supreme independent, if he's bound by our prayer, He's bound by love, you know, like the Damodarashtaka says, Bhakti Baddham, to make the point that it's not the little rope that Yashoda tied around Krishna's belly that really tied he who is the absolute, the unmeasurable, the omnipresent. If he's everywhere, how can you tie him with a little ribbon? It's the love of Yashoda that uh, uh, managed to tie him eventually. And the story, we all know the story that there was only, there were always two inches missing. She would tie the rope around his belly and it was always short. And then she took the ribbon from her braid and that was enough. But the point is that the two inches are the effort and the mercy, which we also talked about. So for you to embrace and capture the absolute, you need, you can do whatever you want materially. You can do so many things but it'll never grant you. Of course, whatever you want can come 
under the category of effort, but then there's the other inch, which is mercy. So, um, if our prayers get granted, get listened to, it's because of the love, bhakti baddham. Krishna is tied, uh, vinculated by our love, not by the prayer, not because we just said once, oh God, please make us win the war. And God is like, sure, person who never prayed to me before or who prays to me for material gain. You know, again, there is a person on the other side, which is how I began. A person with a personality, a person with likes and dislikes. Um, so, prayer and meditation are best performed when we do know that they are a living thing, just like we are living. So there is a living person on the other side. You know, well, yeah, you don't pray to the, to the Brahman, so... Paramatma or Bhagavan are persons, and we are persons. We have this uh, concept, this conception of being, notion of being persons. So, um, we would really miss out if we prayed in such a way that kind of, um, if our prayers were or felt like, you know, we treat God like a, coin operator machine did my prayer i'm going to get my result no it's uh it um it depends on other factors so i had some notes on this point let me see if i'm missing something when two wars when two countries are at war yeah and also uh what's important what people who pray regularly people who do have a notion of god and what it's like to pray to god they know that like i closed Last time, the prayer, and that's where the translator is going to freak out because the word is the same in English but not in Spanish. Prayer is done for the prayer. <laughs> La oración es por el orador. Not for the prayer. It's not for God. God couldn't care less. Does not need our prayers. Um, is not bound by our prayers. Like, you know, um, as a elementary school uh, student I student when I was a schoolboy I was making uh, the teacher was having us make little ashtrays for um, for Father's Day out of like um, whatever it was called in Italian it's called das ultimately it was uh, concrete <laughs> it was some kind of cement so we would mold these little ashtrays like here happy Lung cancer, daddy, or I guess, uh, for Father's Day, we would give our father an ashtray because that was the mentality in the 70s and 80s. Um, but my father didn't need that. He could buy a thousand ashtrays if he wanted. and But yet, he had it on his um, uh, living room table every evening. Luckily, my father, well, luckily, I don't know luckily for whom, but luckily my father was a smoker, so every time... He would use that crusty, nasty ashtray made by a ten, uh, nine, ten years old um, uh, kid because it was made with love. So the same is with the prayer. You know, there is a video of, uh, I wanted to look it up, but again, I haven't had time, um, of this cat that um, the owner throws on the bed and the bed and, and the cat runs back to his uh, human and waits for him with his arms, you know, front paws up, like, pick me up. And so the guy picks the cat up again, throws him on the bed, and he runs back and waits for him with his hands up. So it's kind of cute, because um, that's how God sees us. When we pray, it's like, oh, these little things reaching up to me. So if he does grant our prayers, it's because of the love that we express, and so he reciprocates with love. And that's why only one country wins. First of all, I mean, when you pray to God, especially for material gain, you're really just praying to Maya Devi. You're, you're praying to um, God's energy, like the most external aspect of his energy. It is God, and it's not God at the same time, as we all know very well. It's Bheda uh, Bheda. So, yes, God may fulfill our prayers, but it's really... 
the material energy making all these things happen because as we know god in his supreme aspect when uh, god expresses his supreme personality he doesn't even know we exist practically in a sense he's so lost in 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 being the son of yashoda in what game to play next in you know chasing after that little calf that ran and um, there's a song by one of our acharyas saying that Tahara Prartana Shune Srinanda Kumara. I forgot what comes after, but he says, Nanda Kumara will listen to the prayer of that person. One more thing that I couldn't research. But anyway, Nanda Kumara, not the Paramatma, not Narayan, not just God in general. So a certain prayer made with a you know Vaishnav heart, a Vaishnav sensibility, will be listened to directly by Govinda. Otherwise, it's just God in general. And so, for all intents and purposes, it's Maya Devi as the secretary of God making these things happen, like winning a war, of all things, with all the killing all, and all the material interests you know, invested in a, in a war. So, that's what happens when one... Um, uh, country wins and not the other even if they both prayed it was just the karma of the nation in a sense but um, like I said there are other factors the consciousness of the prayer what you pray for um, let's see I had some other notes about that and yes a person who prays knows that the result is secondary because they pray for themselves for their own benefit they pray so that for that one moment they are aligned like i was saying in the past there's nothing wrong as long as you are in a prayerful attitude you're doing good like i said before speech is the is the uh, prayer is the perfection of speech and then the attitude the prayerful attitude is the best attitude we can have to navigate in this material world that's why we pray then if we get the result even better but it's not how the atheists see it because they just they don't have any experience of that they just judge without knowing some of them are disgruntled usually christians who thought they experienced god they just experienced religion and badly applied religion and then they become atheists and still they're t they are all among those who talk without knowing what they're talking about um, so yeah, the spirit behind the prayer is also important because uh, think of Jarasandha. He was a Vaishnav. Jarasandha was um, um, very strict in his uh, vows. He was making sacrifices to Vishnu, to Narayan, giving charity to the Brahmanas because uh, it's good for for you, you know, with a material attitude in his heart. And he was inimical to Krishna. I mean, he was praying to Vishnu. So praying is not enough. There was another demon in Krishna book. I can't remember his name. Who was a Vaishnava demon? There was that guy who thought he was Krishna. He wanted people to he wanted to convince people he was Vishnu. He had like a, a bunch of arms. I can't remember. So um, the the feeling behind prayer is is um, the prayer alone alone is not enough. It's the feeling, and that's how we're pretty much running out of time I said one-third of what I wanted to say oh well um, so yeah meditation it's um, not passive it's like interactive you just tap into the spiritual stream like plugging in the wall and then things happen another aspect of meditation and prayer that I touched on many times is that is uh, envisioning manifesting right in the highest um, expression of our devotional service, there is this uh, meditation like uh, Srinivasa Acharya. There's this whole leela of um, these devotees uh, going in meditation and, and, and acting in the leela in their spiritual form. And then he was a manjari and um, Radha was sporting in a, in a lake or something and she lost an ankle bell 
uh, and with Shamananda there was a similar similar story, etc., etc. So they 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 tune into the Nitya Lila, and how do you do that? Well, they were special devotees, but even even in our practice at the very end, we just sit down and uh, we may just sit down and think of ourselves as a gopi, as a gopa. We start getting impressions in our heart based on what we like, what our guru brought, a, brought out from us, etc. And we like manifest that reality. You know, Marisa Pierce is, the, is a famous hypnotherapist. She's the hypnotherapist of uh, Olympic athletes and the royals of England. And she has millions of followers on social media. And she says that um, for the brain, there is no past or future. There's just what's happening. And she's not the only one. All kinds of neurologists, etc. They say that for the brain, to think and to remember is the same. To experience something and to remember the experience is the same. So she says, don't think, uh, oh, I will become rich, I will become rich, I will become rich. You have to see yourself get in the promotion. You have to visualize yourself coming out of your boss's office after he's given you the promotion. You feel the smile on your face. Feel the joy of going back to your, I'm making it up, of going back to your wife and saying, I got the promotion. We can afford the, the new house in one year. We can afford the car, the boat, the whatever, university for our children. Because for the brain, it's the same. It's If you feel like you've already achieved something, it kind of sets matter in, a, in motion in a certain way. So you manifest your own reality. Like I said, ultimately, we are alone. We are the center, the unit of consciousness in this whole world. We all live in our own material bubble. They may coexist, but we are the Ishwara of our own created, albeit fake, um, uh, universal bubble. The body is, an exp is a material expression of our state of consciousness and by extension, the whole world. Because whatever we see, whatever we hear, wouldn't be there if we didn't have the body, the ears, the eyes, the nose. So it's all an extension. The tree is in front of me. Anybody else can see the tree. But we all perceive it differently. So we just extend into matter and pervade it with our level of consciousness. So with meditation, it could be like for stupid things like getting a promotion. But if you do that in a spiritual way, um, well, that's how you do it. You just, um, you could petition the Lord, oh, please, please, which is fine. And Prabhupada himself says, we should chant the Mahamantra in a prayerful way. You know, we should cry like a baby. Because, like I said, there is no amount of effort, especially with our material mind. We cannot focus on the Absolute and achieve it unless and until the Absolute reaches down to us. And that's why we will never be able to envision us as a coward boy or a coward girl and attain it. That goes, that goes against all we've been talking about so far, the whole point of bhakti, the whole point of love. Um, it just makes God powerless. It's like, oh, he meditated on me, he became so good, and now here he is in Brindavan, now i got to play with him. Now I have to, you know. So in our um, path, there is... Um, you know, a big component of meditation, and um, I wanted to spend so many more words on manifesting reality, etc. But there is always this prayerful attitude that will make it successful. So, uh, unfortunately, um, we've run out of time. Let me just read the answers and uh, wrap it up. It's um, it's kind of sad because um, these are you know it, it's this is stuff that's worth talking about and engaging in. So, Govinda Mohini says, I thought... I'm not sure what that means. I thought that a samsara is created where 
the clashing is continuous and eternal until one begins to wish something higher. Yeah, but in what context? In the context of the war between the nations? I'll let you time. I'll leave you time to answer, and then I'll I'll read um, what Sharada says. I like the idea of uh, tapping into the mantra. I've had experience of reciprocation ever since I have been having practice. I've been practicing with uh, an attitude of tapping into Krishna Prema, as if I'm dipping my feet into his lake, or ocean of love, of the absolute, with a mood of ecstasy. The reciprocation is in the form of answers coming to me, to, to answers coming to me to questions which I've, I've had in my mind, but not actively asking the Lord, has anyone else had this? And I'm wondering if this is a real response to actual prayer. I remember a meme that um, Gonarayan made. Uh, he was into making memes at some point, and um, there was one that said. I love chanting Japa because I get so many nice ideas. And it's, 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 it's true, you can get a lot of ideas when you chant Japa. Because, again, your mind relaxes and focuses on one thing alone. And then, like I said, we tap into this creative energy. So we become creative and we get... But that's not uh, the point. Why did I say that? Um, so, yeah, reciprocation. We get answers to questions we don't even know we had. So, yeah, it does happen a lot. There's a lot of... Um, impressions in our heart it's not like we actually hear words but um, now I don't know if there's going to be time or um, if, it, if it's the proper channel to for anybody to answer but anybody's welcome to answer um, I did feel like you know there's a book called uh, Bhavataranga Rangini I think Bhavataranga means waves of bhava and I remember once really feeling some feeling and it came as a wave like It's really humbling. It's like, oh my God, why me? Why? What have I done? I don't deserve it. But it just comes like waves, and uh, it's um, yeah, meditation, especially japa meditation, is really, is really nice. Let's see. Daneshwar says, um, how to cope with the distraction in japa. Okay, I'll be a nonconformist and answer from the point of view of TM. In Transcendental Meditation, once I took initiation in Transcendental Meditation, the um, um, you know, Maharish, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi people, and they said, they give you this mantra, and they said, don't force it. They give you a certain mantra, which is different for anybody and, and uh, for everybody. And they say, don't force it. So they say flower, not to say the mantra, because they don't want to dilute their potency. Now, we know that the Maha Mantra will never get diluted. But anyway, in their concept, they say flower when they talk about the mantra. And so they say, focus on flower, 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 flower. But don't make it stay in the center of your mind. Sometimes it will go louder. Sometimes it will go softer. Sometimes you get distracted. Just gently bring your mind back to flower, flower, flower. Sometimes it goes, like I said, uh, softer, faster, louder, etc. And sometimes it disappears. Just don't force it. Be in this re receptive, uh, feminine attitude. And bring in the masculine principle, which is, you know, Krishna. And um, just don't struggle. And also just um, live live five minutes at a time. You don't have to achieve perfection uh, all at once. You could, but it, it's normal to get distracted at first. Um, that's probably where prayer... Or what's going on? I hope it's not some... Oh, it's a bird, sorry. Uh, you could pray. You, that's how you could do both things. You could pray for your japa to be better, so you're engaged in prayer <laughs> and in japa. But um, it's very normal to be distracted. Just don't fight it. Like I said many times, I'm a positivist. I'm not, I, don't, I try not to focus on, oh, I need to overcome Maya. I need to just, oh, Maya, Maya, Maya. Eventually you're thinking, you're meditating on Maya. Think of Krishna. Think how nice Krishna's name is. 
and you get distracted, whatever. Don't think, I'm getting distracted, I'm getting distracted. Because again, that's what you're manifesting. That's what you're imbibing your consciousness with. You realize you're getting distracted, bring it back, and over and over and over until you attain the state of uh, stage of nishta. And then when you attain ruchi, which means taste, you will naturally be you know, chanting and thinking of Krishna. And sometimes you will have to think of other things, talk about other things, but with Krishna in the background. But uh, I don't know at what uh, stage you are, how young or old in this practice you are, but don't get discouraged by distractions. Just um, take it in stride and just keep chanting. That's the secret. Just don't stop. So I'm really sad. I, I said so much less than I thought I would say, but um, we're out of time. And I could go on, but again, <laughs> i got to do this, this uh, finish the jewelry and the outfit, and I don't have a, a second to to spare really so i uh, thank you all for this engagement Param, um, padmanabha maharaj for engaging me in this um, service and asking me and you all for your patience and questions and uh, my gurudev for <laughs> for uh, you know being the inspiration i prayed to and for giving me any knowledge and experience if you know if i have anything to talk about it's all thanks to him and um I don't know. If I'm asked to do this again, I will try to oblige and uh, hopefully it won't coincide with a season of festival so I'll be more, you know, less uh, less busy. Otherwise, I would just uh, close there and um, I'll see you all in the other classes. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. And you're all in my prayers as usual. Shama Sundar Prabhu Ki Jai. Hare Guru Maharaj Ki Jai.